Okay, hello, welcome to From the Platform, episode 5. I'm Tom Peel and this is Naomi Reed. Hi. This week we're going to talk about rebuke um, because we've been talking about how you talk to each other and there are some passages in the Bible that provide instruction on how to rebuke your brother or sister. And I think I would say more pertinently passages that tell you that you should rebuke people. It's yeah. not all just sort of like nobody argue, keep it to yourself and all that kind of stuff. The mm. fact that it does talk about rebuke is interesting. Yeah, so we're going to think about what does rebuke mean. Um, uh, let's have a look at Jesus' teachings in Matthew 18 and the context of those teachings. Just before we read it, yeah, I, I kind of prototyped this with some friends and one of the things I thought was important before we start was the idea about whether this passage is about rebuking people for interpersonal issues, maybe some behaviour that has happened. Beef. Some Yeah, some beef. Or about whether you feel someone has the wrong doctrine. And you said that actually, you know, maybe there's a, a, a place where those two things cross over, because especially within maybe situations of Christophian culture like head coverings, your interpretation about mm. head coverings affects your behaviour. Also, even just like maybe the way you're talking about doctrine, like it can be, maybe um, you'd want to rebuke someone about their manner, saying, look, you're being mm. really dogmatic about this. And yeah. I don't think that's appropriate. Which has kind of been the focus of these podcasts, isn't it? It's been less about the issues themselves and more about how we talk about those issues. Mm. And I think Jesus's advice in Matthew 18 has some really... Uh, good underlying wisdom to it. So I will read that now. Okay, so this is Matthew 18, verse 15 from the ESV. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Okay. Mm, actually, on second hearing of that, that doesn't seem to apply to doctrine, because that suggests there's, it's more of like an evidence thing, like, you know, I saw you break into a car the other day. And I know, I know that you're a you're a thief. You're like doing criminal things. I think mm. you should stop. They don't listen. Take someone else to say, "Look, here's my mate. He saw you do it. Mm. Stop doing it." And then like a bigger thing, because actually, because it talks about evidence, doesn't it? And with doctrinal stuff, yeah, it's, a lot of it is just this is my interpretation. This is my interpretation. Yeah. Well, I guess people would argue that they have evidence from scripture mm. and I think especially within our community that felt a little bit more like eyewitness kind of things and that's the kind of feeling I got from it hearing at that time so I think in either case mm -hmm. uh, the first thing I've got written down here is and I hope this is a, is a thread throughout the whole of this podcast the idea that rebuke should not come separate from friendship and neither should friendship be without rebuke when you see that friend in need of correction potentially I think that, yeah, friendship is paramount if you're going to tell somebody that you think they're doing something or or they have something wrong. Yeah, I think that's really important. I like your point that I do agree that to be truly friends with someone, you should be also be able to rebuke them. 
I think that closeness is really important. And I do think that cultivating friendships within uh, the meeting so that you can then speak to people and it's it will be it's more likely to be accepted. When mm-hmm. I think about the kind of people who I'd be accept having a rebuke from would be the people that I respect and that are my friends. But that's um that's a whole thing in itself really, isn't it? Trying to forge relationships with everyone. Yeah. And I think it happens when people maybe leave the meeting and you feel after they've left that you can't say anything to them because you don't know them well enough. Mm. Sometimes the idea of rebuke or correction, it's like this person's left, maybe they need help with some understanding of something. But actually, I now feel, ooh, they've, they've left and I didn't really know them particularly well in the first place. It's probably not my position. There's probably someone who knows them better. And actually, if it turns out that there wasn't anybody in the Ecclesia that knows them well enough, it's like, what have we done as a family to uh, let that person down? And engaging in a situation where you are intending to rebuke someone is always loaded with potential. And you have to be prepared for that. There's the potential for any of the following things to be underlying someone's behaviour or the reasons that someone is um, displaying uh, something that might need correcting. Uh, and I've got a list here. It could be that there is a, yeah, a much deeper underlying issue uh, there could be the fact that you have been mistaken. That's, you know, you never want to go charging into a situation accusing someone of something and you realise that you've just got the wrong end of the stick. So there's the possibility that you are wrong. There's also any number of mental health issues could be behind a, a person's behaviour that you are unaware of. We had some autism training at Hansworth, which was quite good recently. And I think that was quite important in, in understanding the reasons why someone that does not have, have the typical neurology can behave in a a particular way. Uh, It could be that someone is struggling with chronic doubt. That cannot be brushed under the carpet. Uh, In this case, trying to get them to change their behaviour to be in keeping with what we expect does not resolve the problem at the right resolution. You might be saying, well, you know, sister, you should be covering your head in, in this service, not knowing that that person is actually really struggling with the whole concept of God or reasons for being at church and those sorts of things. So, but if you know that person well enough, you know maybe that those things are in the background and yeah, you'll know that that's a bigger issue to deal with in the first instance. Okay, with that said then, let's look at properly what Jesus says. Um, and I think one of the possible reasons Jesus would tell you to go alone to the one who has wronged you is so that you're not intimidating the person who you're telling their fault to. Jesus is drawing perhaps on the idea of what our good friend should be. Um, Jesus is very aware of what pride can do. And the first measure is possibly the one that would get the person's pride up the least. Um, As we stated, rebuke should not be without friendship. And I feel that this is so important in providing the right environment for someone to come to humility. You should know your friend very well, and it's often easier to make allowances for friends or understand the situations that they are in uh, that could have led to causing the offence to you. Um, friendship allows the sort of conversation that goes, hey, I know you're going through this or, or that at the moment, but when you did this the other day, it, it really got to me. Or, hey, you know I love this or that about you, but the other day you took it too far in this regard. And so there's that element of friendship there you know them really well and you can kind of approach their behavior in a way that understands them i think that's important Mm -hmm. 
an obvious caveat throughout the, this entire podcast is going to be one of personal safety, of course. Whenever we're talking about offences or, or things about behaviour, if that behaviour is in any means violent or abusive, then there are definitely different ways of dealing with that person that are safer. That's kind of a rule one. Anything violent, sexual abuse, those sorts of things, we, we shouldn't be scared to go to the, the correct authorities on an issue like that. Um, so another point on friendship. Uh, when we come across, and this is more to do with the challenging topics thing about and maybe having new ideas. Another point on friendship here is when we come across a new idea or something we need to think through within the context of challenging topics, we often find ourselves going first to our closest friends and ask them what they think about subject A or B and how they may have wrestled with the subject. And this is because we are most comfortable with them and able to ease into the discussion and not feel judged for bringing it up. Mm. And I think that's similar if it's if it's a doctrinal thing or if it's a behavioural thing. If you can create an environment for humility and an environment in which the person feels like they can be wrong, then I think that's a good start. And that might be why Jesus says, go yourself first. It's the least imposing it's the environment that's going to lend itself most to humility. Mm. You have also got the danger of making yourself just a little circle of people who think the same as you. Yeah. So you can kind of go back and rant to them and then not get a full perspective on really what everyone thinks about something. With a challenging topic issue, certainly. Mm. Yeah. I, yeah, I think that's where the other steps come into it with what Jesus is talking about. I know we've maybe said that, that it applies only to interpersonal behavioural issues. But if we are thinking about this in terms of how do you talk with other people about challenging topics, one-on-one is a good start. Play with those ideas, bounce them off of people, but also make sure you're stepping outside of that comfort zone in some ways with the the two or three others and with the church in order to make sure you're seeing every side of the, the argument. Going back to episode one where we talk about the different moral matrices of people you want to be able to it doesn't explicitly say that though in the bible passage does it like take another along with you it doesn't say like someone who doesn't share your point of view or someone not from your friendship group that's something that's kind of added to it isn't it yeah yeah i think um for a lot of people trying to find and talk about that alternative point of view is really challenging and really horrible which is why we all stick to tribes isn't it and it's often i think could potentially be be abused slightly by saying take one of you know you can interpret it as take one of your henchmen along take someone who agrees with you exactly yeah a nice um somebody's nice and intimidating who thinks the same thing as you yeah 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 so i think that take is it take another person or take two other people along with you uh it says take one or two other people yeah yeah. i think that could be interpreted in lots of different ways basically but Mm. a healthy way to do it would be and have, that's the point where then you have a discussion with somebody else trying not to have it as gossip mm. where you kind of say look have I got this wrong the person you know didn't respond very well what do you think yeah I you know we maybe have different points of view about this mm-hmm. so there's that first instruction of going on your own and the main point I want to bring out about that is so that you provide a less intimidating environment for that person to maybe admit to what they've done if they have wronged you because it's always harder once there's more people involved isn't there um it's creating that space for humility
Okay, so um, I think this idea that we've been talking about should make us think about what it means to be a friend to other people as well. Can we be trusted for people to come up to us and say, look, I think this was something that you need to change or this is somewhere where you're wrong um, and know that we'll, we'll be generous mm -hmm. in taking that. I think that's probably criticism. the most important point when talking about rebuke because you automatically go to the, oh, yeah, when I've got Beef something. Someone, yeah. yeah, exactly. But actually the most important thing is, am I at a constant yeah. state of readiness to take rebuke? Yeah, yeah. And if I'm not, then I can't judge anyone else. Yeah, and have someone maybe throw your ideas in your face and maybe not do it very nicely. If you can be like Jesus and take it in a more savage way and then model back to people how it should be done, then that's even better. Yes, because um, this whole Matthew 18 process can be done in a very legalistic way with no friendliness at all. Mm. And I think that can be actually quite traumatic. Someone comes to you and say, you've done this wrong. Are you listening to me? Are you listening to what I'm saying? No, even okay, sort of... I'm gonna go and get two other people along. Yeah. And then we're gonna go Brother, and tell... sister, as it tells, as we are commanded in Matthew, yeah, yeah, I yeah, am yeah. coming to you to rebuke you. And yeah, 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 yeah. like, yeah, for certain personalities, that might be like, cool. Yeah, you're doing it by the book, yeah. literally. But other people might find that kind of legalistic like you're just hiding behind the the process here and you're not actually connecting with me as a person. Yeah. So uh, Jesus steps up the procedure by saying, take another one or two people along with you. And again, I'd say that preferably that's people who are friends with the person to evoke that necessary humility. Um, so yeah, I think the whole thing can be done very badly when the motive is not to provide that platform for humility, but a courtroom environment that judges that person. Mm -hmm. And that's the most important thing, of course, when choosing to escalate to Jesus's third level of um, rebuke, as it were. All through the process, you should be checking yourself for your own pride. If you have the feeling within you that's kind of like, I really want this person to be judged. I want, I want mm -hmm. everyone to know what they've done and I want them to feel really bad. I, maybe I want them to, to be stony-faced the whole way through so they get kicked out or... or maybe so, I want them to argue back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I can really show them that I'm right and they're wrong. So I had an experience recently where Hansworth put up a public-facing Facebook page and they, they paid for some an article to um, kind of get pushed out a bit further. And we got some responses back and they seemed to be responses that were kind of religion-stupid Jesus didn't exist, X, Y, Z sort of stuff. And if your response to that is, right, well, I'm going to show you how totally wrong you are, you know, that that's that's you've been hooked in by pride. That's Leviathan getting you straight away. It's like you've, you've just been grabbed by a troll. Uh, but what you want to do is approach that person with some gentleness and say, oh, yeah, I understand where your comments come from and... And, and actually, if you take that a bit further, you have to ask this question as well. You know, maybe we need to consider these things also. If you're gonna, if you're gonna raise that question, then yes, we as Christians need to think about that seriously, along with these things too. And that doesn't throw anything back at them to bite. It just provides them with a platform to embrace thinking about it more. And I think that's really important. It, it provides the platform for humility. So basically you just need to constantly check yourself and make sure you're not arguing for the glory of winning an argument. Absolutely, yeah. 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 
So finally, Jesus gives the instruction to treat the person like a Gentile and a tax collector, which sounds like an instruction to cast them off or reject them. But when we think about how Jesus treats Gentiles and tax collectors himself, it kind of becomes a bit of a paradox. Okay, so Jesus spends time with tax collectors and Gentiles, and he is very accommodating to them and talks to them and doesn't reject them. So what's Jesus saying here? And I think what Jesus is saying here is the person is your brother and he's done you wrong. He should be held to account to the level that he is a Christian and has the high has a high calling. If he doesn't meet that account and he refuses to listen to you, then you need to treat him like a tax collector and a Gentile. The, the Gentiles and tax collectors were kind of like the social lepers of the time and that the, the physical lepers were a good allegory to say like those are the people you push yourself away from but jesus is like no when they when they behave like that actually you need to reach out to them even more um, i think a point that is really important is gossip and it's easy to be um, idealistic about gossip and say, oh yeah, you shouldn't gossip. And if you if you are tempted to say something about someone to somebody else, then actually you should think, I need to be prepared to go say this to this person face to face. However, it's so much more complicated than that. And sometimes you do need to sort of like thrash out ideas with somebody else and they're kind of like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this. This person behaved like this, but I don't think that was right. And that kind of thing if you kind of not make not made up your own mind about something and yeah as much as i think the the ideal is that the first time you do something about the fact that someone has wronged you should be that i'm going to go speak to this one person face to face about this it is so so hard especially in our culture and especially in our kind of sunday face um meetings mm, that we mm. have but just having that in mind constantly like before you go and complain about someone or even worse like gossip about someone like for the sake of having something to say think am i prepared to go and speak to this person face to face and address mm. this issue yeah if you're not which you probably won't be which not many people are then think about kind of what you're saying i mean maybe go and speak to a friend and say a person has done this to me mm, and yeah. if you're that friend that that person's coming to don't go oh who was it tell yeah, us yeah kind of don't try and dig out that, yeah. you know that person's coming to you vulnerably. Mm. Don't try and pry out of them the thing that they're trying not to Definitely. gossip about. I think when you go to the person first, you get to sort out the, the things that maybe you misread. Mm. I think sometimes we think, I don't want that person to think I've misread them in any way. But actually, if you go to them and say, listen, I thought you did this, because mm. they might continue to do that and it be interpreted wrongly without the intent that they actually have behind without it. Without them realising how it comes across. And actually maybe they need to be discreetly sh told that, okay, you're behaving like this. Having a culture where gossip happens, it's a real kind of like rotten thing mm. in any, even just like group of friends, but any sort of small culture that erodes away being able to go and have honest conversations and confront each other. And it also leads to kind of polarisation and stuff like that. I think one of the popes 
um, <laughs> described gossip as being like internal terrorism in our church. That mm. it's a really terrible, damaging thing that's mm. so accepted that everyone does every single day. And it's like a bonding thing. But um, it is really, really dangerous. Mm. Okay, so I want to talk about the context of Matthew 18 um, because it maybe adds a few more questions. So it starts off with, if anyone leads these little ones astray, it's better that a millstone is hung around their neck and they're thrown into the sea. Mm -hmm. And that's followed by the parable of the lost sheep in kind of defining who the little ones are. And then we get Jesus talking about rebuking one another. And then we get, after that, we get, you should forgive your brother 70 times seven if he repents. You know, you go to him and he says, sorry, forgive him ad infinitum. And in Luke, Luke documents the part of Jesus' journey where he's at the end of his journey around the land and he's, he's arriving at Jerusalem. And Luke summarises some of Jesus' teachings and he squashes these things together even more. He has the, the bit about the millstone around your neck if you lead little ones astray, a bit about rebuking brothers, and then immediately after that, 70 times 7 is the amount you should forgive. So he truncates it a bit. But there's this there's this context here then where... In one half of the chapters, Jesus is saying, if your brother's done something wrong, go to him, uh, be gentle, rebuke him, bring others if he doesn't listen, bring the church if he doesn't listen, and, and if he doesn't listen still, then reach out to him like he's a Gentile and a tax collector, and forgive him 70 times, seven times. Like, And that, that pours out like mercy and grace and the love that we typically understand Jesus to embody. Mm -hmm. But then before all of it, there's this passage which says, if you lead little ones astray, though, then, well, it's better that you have a millstone tied around your neck and you're thrown in the sea. He uses an allegory, I know, but it's maybe seems like a dichotomy. It's much it, more brutal language. Yeah. Uh, it, he doesn't say, if someone's leading these little ones astray, go to that person, make him listen to you, win your brother. It seems to be a different thing altogether. And it may back up the idea that the, the case about rebuking is interpersonal problems and the thing about the millstone around your neck and leading little ones astray is more about false teaching and and it seems to be purposefully misleading people and again maybe it links in with the idea that, that Paul's talking about those that are Judaizers who are purposefully coming in mm. wolves in sheep's clothing it's much more sinister however the, the, we get into a really sticky situation with that is because we can start accusing other people as as being the ones that are leading each other astray and implying Tricky. that's a kind of black white. Yeah, so you could have is a so, harsh punishment. Yeah. I'm not going to be gentle with you and Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you could have okay, this person I I feel like this person is is wrong. I'm not going to use Matthew 18 verse 15 and go to him on my own and try and win him over. I'm going to condemn him outright as someone that's leading little ones astray and inferring that actually millstone should be tied around your neck and you should be thrown in the sea whatever that means because obviously we're, we're never going to do that physically to anybody um and it kind of it, so that leaves something up in the air for me a little bit of like well what, what does that mean and why why is there that kind of difference that dichotomy between those two things and as a community can we ever pin down people who are leading little ones astray. I mean, I guess it depends on what your interpretation is. If someone, dis if someone has a different interpretation to you, you can just tar them with, okay, you're someone that leads little ones astray, which I don't think is right. I don't think that's, that doesn't seem in my gut, the way of doing things. 
especially because I find personally having the conversation is a lot more healthy and you learn a lot more about yourself and about your brother and sister if you engage in the conversation hmm yeah I, th I think it's confusing mm. it's difficult because there seems to be so much cultural context as well about is this just talking about people in the first century who were deliberately trying to turn Gentiles into Jews and not allowing them to be Christians yeah or is it that oh, well, there's well, certain things in our 21st century church that need to be yeah and I think that's the problem with when we try and do that yeah. it, we, we kind of maybe cross wires a little bit because when if you think about who Jesus might be talking about in that situation he says of the Pharisees you go halfway around the world to make a a proselyte and you make him twice the son of hell that you are maybe he's talking about that you know you've gone all the way to try and teach this person about God but you've just led them completely astray I'm not sure if we've gone quite far away from the idea of rebuke here but in that bit where it talks about leading little ones astray and millstones and things like you would imagine unless someone is like a sociopath there's no one deliberately saying how I want to make that person think that uh, yeah. For example, yeah. or this, I'm going to twist this doctrine and make them think it because I'm just a kind of heartless person. I want to see them get confused and suffer and believe the wrong thing. Mm. So I don't think there's anyone outright doing that unless yeah. they are, you know, something quite wrong with them. But I think we can never fully understand our own motives behind mm. things. Mm. So, you know, is sort of saying to people, actually, I think this interpretation of this passage is, is this, this, and this. Actually, we're to some extent we're always doing it for a little bit of our own glory to kind of show mm. people and then how intelligent we you, are or how yeah and then do you just really love the controversy or have you probably just got a bit bored with church do you think actually let's let's move things in this way for the sake of change and that mm. kind of thing actually mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah when you actually break yeah. it apart are you doing it not out of good motives and then the end point is that you're leading people astray who yeah, yeah, are yeah, kind yeah. of sold by the ideas that you're thinking mm. likewise if um it's not so much leading astray but rather driving out if you kind of say for the sake of my own security i don't want to change these things i don't want to have these discussions actually there's those kind of back row people are saying well if if that's the case, then I'm out. I'm never, yeah, yeah, or my my questions are never going to be addressed. Yeah. yeah, I guess there's there's a case of leading people astray, and then there's a case of not leading anybody anywhere. Yeah, yeah, but I'm, I'm, my point is more. Um, I think we could be kind of like black black and white, like goodies and baddies, like yeah, yeah. you know, Little Red Riding Hood and the Wolf. Whereas actually, it's never like that. It's actually mm. ourselves, and mm. it's our own motivations that we maybe don't actually appreciate that are there mm. and actually are they having a, a very um profound effect on other people one of the things i really appreciate about being a christophian is that we don't believe in a literal devil because it, like if you're accusing someone of leading other people astray they quickly become demonic they become unhuman mm -hmm. so it's like i don't i don't agree with you on this Thing. And it's and your and your flaw is nothing to do with me because it's yeah it's so the I devil yeah I can here. totally so whenever I've had conversations with Jehovah's Witnesses about the devil, often the end point for them is well, it doesn't matter how much sense you make because if you make sense you're the devil, <laughs> and it's the devil blah blah blah. <clears throat> so maybe one way of unpicking that last section is to look at Galatians two verse eleven to twenty one where Paul recounts a, a point where he rebukes Peter. 
also known as Cephas. So Galatians 2 verse 7 says, But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with them, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? So here's an example of Paul. I guess he, he doesn't go down the route of Jesus's mm. Matthew 18 verse 15 and taking him aside and saying, you know what, that wasn't very good. So this basically muddies the waters even more in that here we've got a real life example of someone rebuking someone else and actually they don't do what Jesus said. Unless you think that Paul is rebuking Peter for leading people astray, which is what he seems to be doing. So is he actually bringing Peter up sharp and saying, look, you're leading that's people one of those astray really bad things This that, is really yeah. bad. Because he'd have to go around every single one of those people that had kind of been influenced by Peter and tell them off individually. But I think what he does is he sees the seriousness of the situation and he cuts off immediately. I think the important thing though for us is how do we know when a situation like that is happening when we're talking about challenging topics? And I don't think we can. I think, so this is an, an obvious situation where there's hypocrisy going on. Or maybe our own hypocrisy is is hard for us to see mm -hmm. and we do sometimes need other people to call us out i think it's really important to have these discussions on challenging topics and if anyone thinks that they're hypocritical in any way i'd be happy to hear that and understand why but i don't think they are i think they're useful for people that need to bring up these questions think them through have that space to allow their thoughts to come out and be discussed and be humble about them and for other people to be humble about them as well and aid their discovery of what those things mean. I don't think challenging topics is the place to shout down other people and because and, I don't think it's hypocritical. I think it's spiritual growth that's happening mm -hmm. and people that have to answer questions. Yeah. I'm trying to make a difference between, because I think there is one, it, say, okay, so... Some of you just need, need to nip in the bud and stuff that you need to. So, some people might think, okay, someone comes in, young person, I want to talk about what the Bible says about homosexuality, and I want to look at it from a cultural context point of view, because I feel like the way that we're looking at it is wrong, okay? Some people might say, I'm going to nip that in the bud straight away, because I don't want to talk about it, and I don't want to go down that avenue. Because I think you're going to be leading people astray. Because I think you're going to be leading people astray. I think there's a difference between that and what Peter's doing. So what, what Peter's doing is he's literally leading people astray by his actions. Peter's not going, okay guys, hold on, let's stop and talk about this circumcision thing because I haven't quite got it sorted out. That would, I think Paul would be like, okay, that's fine, let's sit down and talk it through. It's the fact that he's, in his actions, shown his own lack of clarity about the subject and fudged it within the arena of his actions. Mm. Well, he's just sort of bowing to pressure, isn't he, really? I find it difficult because it seems like the out. perfect situation to say, hey, Peter, I can see what's happened here. These are the guys who arrived. You're a bit embarrassed about the fact that we're all with Gentiles. Let's tr let's remember together what Jesus' message was. Mm. You need to be, you need to stand up and be an example now. 
Like, the, I don't know, just from reading it, it doesn't. I can't see a clear reason why Paul just rebuked Peter outright in front of everyone. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point. Um, yeah, so that kind of leaves it hanging. Why doesn't Paul... Why isn't Paul more tactful? And sometimes a... Um, Would Paul have known that exact teaching of Jesus? It's a good question as well, yeah. It may not have been fully written down. In fact... Because when did Paul actually... Yeah, in fact, you're right. people to actually hear about specifically well, the teachings of Jesus? Um, it certainly considered that Paul's letters were the first things to be written. So Galatians mm-hmm. was possibly written before the Gospels. Yeah. So, yeah, potential there for that. That's interesting. Mm. But, okay, I'm going to tie up there. That's it, I think. Thank you for listening. No probs. Please fill in any gaps we've we've uh, left out. Send us any emails. Call us, whatever. Um, I'd like to hear your opinions on this as well. And we'll catch you next time. Bye.